Welcome to Shift with CJ. I'm your host CJ and together we will explore the areas of health, human performance, biohacking, psychology and much more that will inspire you to become the best version of yourself. Detox is a buzzword these days. Some of us need detox from social media. Some of us need detox from energy vampires, our work, the news, perhaps your own thoughts as well. Well, doing some or all of this will help you live for a long time. But you know, on this podcast, we want to go above and beyond. And by going above and beyond, I have found a special guest for you who is going to show you the health side of detoxing and various other things that will help optimize your life and longevity. On the show today, my guest has been in the health space for more than 20 years. He's the CEO of a fantastic company that has got a very unique approach to detox. Everyone, welcome Spencer Fieldman. Spencer, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, CJ. It's a pleasure to have you. Thanks for joining us, friend. Thanks for joining us from so far. You're in the U.S., right? Which part in the U.S. are you? Uh, over on the West Coast in uh, the, the state of Oregon. Up in the, I live off grid up in the mountains on 100 acres. Oh, lucky you. That's, that's, that's the life I want to live. Maybe soon I'm going to escape mm-hmm. this concrete jungle. But don't mm-hmm. worry, guys. I'll still be podcasting for you and bringing you the best health content in the world. So, Spencer, um, most of the people listening to this or listening to the show know two ways primarily of getting vitamins or supplements into their body. One is through their mouth. And the second one is through their veins, which we talk about IVs and stuff. But your company has chosen the third route, which is suppositories. <laughs> and yeah. most of the people around this region don't know what suppositories are. So please, can you explain what are suppositories? Sure. So when you look at some of the ways in which we can improve our health and clear out toxins and 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 work with the body, some of the more advanced techniques, um, you'll see a number of them are by IV. And, you know, the reason why an IV would be done would be because that particular ingredient doesn't survive digestion. Uh, we are meant to digest proteins and break proteins down into amino acids and lots of things that you might take uh, as a therapy are proteins and then you can't eat them. So, Now, not all of our products are by suppository, but a fair number of them are because what we are trying to do is give people access to the kind of things they would go and receive by IV at a very high-end anti-aging or alternative medical clinic, but be able to do at home. And suppository is that route. Uh, It seems a bit unconventional, but um, there's no digestive enzymes in the rectum. Uh, and it's a mucous membrane, so it absorbs things wonderfully well. So if you take something that you would normally do by IV, you can put it in a suppository, and yet it's a little. It's obviously slower. It doesn't go in as quickly. But if, if you're not in a rush, uh, you know, if you don't need to give somebody uh, high doses of antibiotics or painkillers immediately, uh, say for or, you know sepsis or chronic terrific pain. Then you can get uh, what you're looking for with the suppositories. You know, maybe it's four times, you know, it's just maybe it takes three hours to go in rather than 15 minutes. But if you're not in an emergency room setting, that's fine. Okay. So we're looking at the bioavailability and the absorption rate, which is enhanced yeah. when you're for 
keeping it simple, putting things up your ass or putting like a medicine up your ass. But yeah. um, I you first... Could, you could, hang on, you could take something that might be 2% absorbed orally and it would be 80%, 85% absorbed rectally. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. And, and this brings me to this whole idea that a lot of people are buying medicines and uh, let's say vitamins and minerals and a lot of these other compounds. But what a lot of people don't understand and correct me if I'm wrong, is that if you're swallowing, you know, your glutathione or something else, the absorption rate, just because it has to pass through the digestive tract, it isn't so much. Do you have any data on like how much percent of Let's say if someone says there is one gram of a compound in a pill, like how much percent is that being absorbed in the body? You know, it really depends on what it is. If it's an amino acid, it's fantastic, right? Vitamin C is okay. Glutathione is terrible. So, you know, yeah. uh, what we do is we say, all right, if, it, if it's only absor absorbed, you know, we'll put it in a capsule. If it's not orally absorbed and it's something that we think is really important for people, uh, then we make it as a suppository. Okay. I first got to hear about suppositories because about three years ago, I was traveling a lot. Like I was, my travel schedule was insane. And then mm. I spoke to a few people in terms of like hacking jet lag. And I was trying to understand what's the best way to hack jet lag. And I came across melatonin, like high dose melatonin suppositories again mm -hmm. from from a company in the US and at that time like a normal average biological dose of melatonin can be anywhere between 0 0.3 mg to like 3 mg or 5 mg but like these melatonin suppositories were about upwards of 50 or 100 mg does your company do anything with melatonin so we were we're the oldest running suppository company alternative suppository company in the united states and we're basically the grandfather of the entire industry um so we yeah we we've had melatonin suppositories for a long time um, and the people that copy us um you know they want to put their own their own angle on things right so they'll one of the people that copied us put very high doses in and it's not better because you can down regulate your melatonin production you can get people sick with high levels of melatonin so melatonin by suppository is great. Only still works, um, but you know, okay, melatonin is better by suppository, but the dosage is important. And taking such heroic doses, you know, it's not great for the body. It's just a way that some of the newcomers were trying to find a way to market and saying, well, we're different than Remedy Link. You know, we're we're better. I'm like, okay, got it. You know, that's not how okay. I do it. So. A quick note, everyone who's listening, the amount matters. And sometimes just because something is out there doesn't mean it's safe. So please do your due diligence, look into the company, just because someone puts a supplement out there doesn't mean it's going to be safe. Uh, but that's a whole different conversation. Now, one of the things that I highlighted in the beginning of this, uh, beginning of our chat is detox. Mm. And a lot of people, would think having celery juice is a great detox strategy or, you know, working out is a great detox strategy. But I sure. wanted you to like, you know, lay down the basic fundamentals of us. What is detox according to you? And why do you think 
people need to detox? Well, let, let me answer those questions in reverse order. Yeah. The body has a natural capacity to detoxify. And if we were living, you know, 200 years ago, uh, pre-industrial agricultural revolution, uh, or maybe you know, before they started burning coal, um, then that would be enough, right? I mean, you are, we are exposed to toxins in the natural environment. There's arsenic in the well water. Uh, there's a little bit of mercury in fish, uh, poison mushrooms and snake bites. Uh, and our body has the capacity to deal with that, those type of toxins, and at that level of toxicity. Fast forward to the 21st century, and we have so many toxins. And now you could argue that these toxins are all tested and they're at very low levels, below the level which they would cause a problem. And most of them are. Some of them slip through the regulatory process because the officials are bribed to let them get through. We might imagine most of them individually are at levels that won't hurt you. Or won't hurt you for the short term, long term, they're going to get you, right? If they do the test for safety on an animal and they only test it for a few weeks, what you really want to know is what does it do to that animal for three generations? Is that animal eating that particular food preservative or being exposed to that particular hydrocarbon? Can three generations later, it still produce healthy offspring? That's really the test you want to do, and those tests aren't done. Mm -hmm. But the other issue is when you combine the hundreds of thousands of chemicals, I mean, there's millions of chemicals out there, and we're exposed to thousands of them on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. When you expose to thousands, when you expose yourself to thousands of these things nonstop, and they all mix in the body, you know, it's like, oh, well, it's only, you know, stressing the body a half a percent. Well, yeah, but you add hundreds and hundreds of them, and then now it's a problem, right? So the cumulative effect of the toxins that were exposed in the 21st century is getting a lot of people sick. And, you know, when someone is full of toxins, the medical establishment, you know, they can, if you, if you go to a doctor, they can check for um, some toxic metals, and we'll get into those. Um, but there's so many chemicals, you can't check for them all. So... You know, a lot of people, people who are toxic, they fall in, in the cracks. So what, what does toxicity look like? Well, if you're healthy and strong, it's just kind of this gradual kind of lessening of strength and endurance and brain fog. And if a person doesn't really have good genetics, what does that toxicity lend to? It, lends to, it ends up in disease. It ends up in cancer and, you know, uh, neurologic diseases and all sorts of nasty things. So... We live in a world where the level of toxicity we're exposed to goes beyond what our body can handle. So then the question is, okay, um, I'm not going to move to the Arctic and I'm not going to move to the Amazon rainforest. I live where I live. I'm exposed to what I'm exposed to. You know, I'll do my best not, you know, not to get excessive exposures to things. But what do I do for the stuff that's happening anyway? Because I want to live a, a healthy life, a long life. And, you know, there's no reason why at 90 you can't be sharp as a tack and still active and without pain. But you look at a lot of people that are older and, you know, it's, 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 not, um, it's not an experience that I think any of us would, would choose for ourselves to be, uh, you know, the state that a lot of our older folks are in. And part of that reason is, is toxins. So that's, that's the why. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and these toxins, they also have a, a genetic effect. So if you want to have kids and you want to pass on good genes and you want to, you know, raise healthy children, 
the, the sperm has to be toxin free from the father and especially for the mother you know she's carrying life she has to be a uh, it's a sacred thing she has to uh, has to be clean you know internally and, and free of these toxins so 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 how do we get rid of them so you know the simple way to think about it is if a toxin is water soluble cj you just urinate it out it's going to do damage on the way out but the body has great repair mechanisms if the toxin is fat soluble however it can't be urinated out it sticks around in the membranes and the brain and the nerves of the body fat and the internal organs causing damage continuously so how do we get that stuff out well imagine you have a dish with some grease from last night's dinner on it um, and you you put it in hot, in water well you pull the dish out it's still got the grease on it because it's not water soluble it won't dissolve in the water okay now you pour a little soap in the water and you put the dish in well now the grease comes off because the soap turned the grease water soluble now that new compound that grease soap compound can enter into the water and it can rinse it out so that's really what detoxification is it's figuring out what toxins what fat soluble toxins are in somebody and then what kind of soap per se can we use to render that toxin water soluble so we can urinate it out okay Got it. not that complicated the complicated part is the science of understanding what we have to do and um, I've made it easy. We've, we've got a couple of products that will cover all the bases. So you don't have to sit there and think, okay, uh, I was just exposed to industrial solvents or, you know, um, I was exposed to a huge amount of diesel or uh, I work in a uh, dry cleaning place and I'm exposed to industrial, you know, dry cleaning solvents or what have you. Um, you can simply take a broad spectrum detox that has all the soaps in it and then it'll come out in the urine great thank you for sharing that i think that was a great analogy and it's very easy to wrap um, our heads around that so do most or let's say like are most toxins out there are they water soluble or do you see most of them are fat soluble or it's well that's an interesting question i've never looked to see the percentage of water versus fat soluble toxins um, i can tell you that there's enough fat soluble toxins to keep people like me busy the rest of my life helping people okay and one of the things like um, a lot of people like to think saunas is a great way to detox mm. and what's yeah. your take on sauna because a lot of the times i talk to people about detoxing they're like yeah i go to sauna once a week or once every two weeks and that's my detox protocol so share some light on this like what's so what does sauna do sure. well saunas are wonderful for a lot of reasons if you look at the swedish studies you'll see that it just you know increases health across the board um it increases heat shock proteins which is a whole conversation on biohacking we can do one day about cold and heat shock proteins mm -hmm. um, in terms of a detox sort of right it's it's releasing sweat which is water and so if you want to be able to detox that way you have to have the innate capacity to render those fat soluble toxins water soluble and then sweat them out mm -hmm. you're not going to sweat out a fat soluble toxin because it's not going to go into the sweat it's not water soluble uh, what if the sauna is an infrared sauna same same it has, has to go into the water that you sweat out it has to make the transition from fat to water 
and then you can sweat it out or urinate it out as you wish. Okay. And what about like having these sort of like protocols? So there is a very famous protocol where you use niacin uh, mm. for a pre-flush. Then you get into an infrared sauna and then you use binders. And maybe this is a good time to talk about binders as well. Like uh, the most common ones that people might be familiar with would be activated charcoal or mm. um, or cholera. Is cholera also a binder? Oh, is it? Uh, yeah. So, yeah. so that original protocol you're talking about, which is actually made famous by the Scientologists, is a version of a lipid exchange protocol. And we have a lipid exchange protocol, which is the real thing. What they were trying to do is they would have you do a sauna and ever-increasing doses of niacin and uh, drink some oil. And the what they thought they were doing, or what they said they were doing, was removing radiation. Um, well... No, because radiation is energy and it doesn't stay around. It's the damage that stays around. So that's out. Mm-hmm. Um, the niacin, niacin flushes are great, um, but neither the niacin flush nor the oil is going to render fat-soluble toxins water-soluble. So what you might be able to do with that is to get the body to exchange uh, what you I mean, not might. What you will be able to do is the heat of the sauna. I don't know if the niacin plays a role. The heat of the sauna will upregulate certain enzymes that will cause the membranes to recycle themselves. So they'll break down, membranes are the skin of all the cells, they're always breaking down and rebuilding. And so that allows those to break down and hopefully be repopulated with the oil. Of course, their protocol is not going to work because they're not using the oil made Mm-hmm. that's made out of the, the cell membranes. If they use phosphatidylcholine, then it would, but if they're just going to give somebody olive oil, it's not going to do it. So that was a well-meaning, I'll give them that, attempt to recreate what is called a lipid exchange protocol, which is how do you f- exchange the toxic and damaged fats of the cell membranes? The way that was originally done was 70-plus years ago in Germany, they started giving people IVs of bile, which is what the liver makes to break down fats, among other things, and phosphatidylcholine. And the bile would, which is naturally going into the body in little bits by a, from a healthy person, goes in high amounts by IV, and it is a soap for the fats in the artery, right? And then as that rinses them out, there's some phosphatidylcholine, which is what you want, and that goes in and it flushes it out. That is one of the things that we're making available to people. We're actually doing it as a, a liposomal, which is another way you can do things that um, doesn't cause, um, doesn't get damaged by oral, uh, oral absor- uh, digestion. So uh, lipid, uh, lipid exchange protocols are fantastic. Uh, we'll have ours maybe in another month, and this is now the end of February 2023. We've been working on it for a while. Um, again, it's not going to remove fat-soluble toxins. You could argue that well, the fats that are in the cell membranes will come out. Yes. Maybe you could argue that some of those fats will make it to the bile and into the gut, and then you could defecate them out, for which case you'd want a binder. Um, charcoal is a little tricky because a lot some people constipated. Um, and Taz gel is a product you could find. That's a nice one. Um, I mean, even just eating beans every day. You know, I, I, I know in the Middle East, um, lentils are... are well loved. It's always every time when I was traveling through the Middle East. Every time I went to a restaurant, soup of the day was lentil soup, which is great because I love lentils, right? So just the fiber from that will will cause some binding. Um, so, but I think again, um, the lipid exchange protocol is for clearing out the 
for arteries. It's not really focused on making fat soluble toxins water soluble to remove them. So you know, it's it's a different if it's, it's a different idea, a valuable one, but it's not. I wouldn't call it detox. All right, thanks for clearing that out. I think a lot of people, yeah. especially the biohackers out there, are in this. Um, it'll be really helpful for them because they also mm -hmm. consider themselves doing a lot of these detoxes. But okay, mm -hmm. so we spoke about the sauna. What other things do we have available, like free of cost or in nature, that you think can serve as a good detoxification alternative? I know you mentioned that there are just the body can only do so much, and now with nature, we've never been evolved to sort of like look at some of the chemicals or toxins or heavy metals. Like it might have been there like a hundred years ago, but like for sure it wasn't there like 10,000 years ago. So sure. So um, I believe fasting is very powerful actually. As of right now, I'm on, I'm on the ninth day of a water fast. So um, if I'm a little slow, you'll forgive me. Uh, so, you know, what I am detoxifying myself of now at the moment uh, is all the senescent and precancerous and I believe cancerous cells that are in my body. I'm actually fasting on deuterium-depleted water and here's a little uh, hat tip to the people over light water. Thank you for that. So I'm fasting on deuterium-depleted water, which is a whole other subject. Um, and I'm clearing out all the diseased tissue. Like now I, when I look in the mirror right now and, you know, 10 pounds less than what I normally weigh, I don't look, you know, like I'm ready to go to the beach and impress women. But I know that in, you know, when I get off the fast, that, that will build up within a week back. I'll be back where I started. And what it feels like when I do uh, an extended water fast, 10, 14 days is, and I do it every year, is I've cleared out that, I, I've gone back in time, right? I'm, I'm younger at the end of it. And if I check my arteries with an ultrasound, I'll see that I'm clearer. So I know the effect. But having said that, I don't think of it as a detox for the 21st century. For the chemicals and metals, I unfortunately don't believe that there's a natural way to do it or a good natural way to do it. I think you have to fight fire with fire. You have to use science, the good side of science to counter the bad side of the science, which was the creation of these persistent toxins in the first place. We should never have made them, but you know we should have found other ways, but we didn't. And so unfortunately, I think you have to use something external, something supplemental to deal with these toxins. Okay, great. So thank you for clearing that out. And so nine day water fast, mm. how often do you do it? Do you do it once a year or? Once a year, I'll do a, a long fast, yeah. Does But I'm 54 now, right? So, you know, I, I, I need to be a little bit more mindful about my aging process than you do, CJ. Well, I mean, a lot of the people who are listening in are in their 50s and 60s and 40s. And some of them, for some of them, the idea of fasting is just very scary. So mm. does everyone have to fast? Or what's the minimum effective dose of fasting, do you think? Because now you have all these, you have your company and you have, um, you're doing this for such a long time. You have great products and you're going through the sort of like that hard path of fasting because yeah, one or two days is not a big deal. But then you speak about three, four, sure. five, seven so first off, um, I think if you're going to fast, um, you want to do it with Quinton, which is a, a, a seawater supplement. It'll make it a lot easier for you. You won't get so lightheaded from losing your, your minerals, your sodiums, and such. Um, a fast doesn't start until day four. Day one, two, and three, you're still going through um, you know, glycogen stores and things like that. 
day four it starts realistically right so the people that are doing intermittent fasting god bless you and you're missing out mm -hmm. um my personal experience is the the, the floodgates of the, of the junk that the body can get rid of like the first time i did a water fast i smelled and tasted and this I was in my 20s i smelled and tasted the the pharmaceuticals the antibiotics that i had taken as a kid come out of me it was horrific it was nasty um i don't get that now because i've done so many water fast so i'm mostly focusing on precancerous cancerous and senescent cells right um but i don't think you know so the, the real fast starts on day four and kicks in like the floodgates open depending on you somewhere around day seven day eight and then you want to stay with it in my experience your, your hunger will then disappear you know there'll be a couple of days like last few nights i was dreaming about food i was dreaming i was eating and then annoyed with myself for breaking my fast and then i woke up this morning uh, and the hunger was gone so on that's day nine so when my hunger comes back with a vengeance that will be one cycle and i will either break my fast then or I'll go for another cycle and what i break my fast on is uh slow cooked meat and uh i find the and broth i find the easiest way to do it and then slow cooked vegetables and then i'll work my way to you know to grains and then i'll work my way to i like some people will, will break a fast with fruit and yogurt and that's never been good for me mm -hmm. so okay so something like so now you mentioned uh something called senescent cells and i just wanted to make it clear for the audience and uh you can add into this as well so every time think of senescent cells as cells that are sort of like just heavy weight in your body they're not doing their job they're there but they're not performing their job and because of that your body sort of slows down as we age our body starts accumulating senescent or it's very famously called zombie cells because they act just like zombies and if you don't do something to actively clear those when you get to 50 60 or 70 then you have a lot of these senescent cells that are just taking space and they can result into other disease models and there are a plethora of them you know what? I, a nicer way to call senescent cells, call them retired. Retired, they're okay. They're not doing anything. They're not functioning. They, 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 you know, they're not the pasture. They've done their job. That liver cell, that brain cell, that pan pancreas cell, it's worked for you for all those years. And then it's just like, I'm not going to create any more insulin. I'm not going to create any you know, more neurotransmitters. I don't want to, do, I don't want to generate any, any more uh, antibodies. I'm just going to sit here and relax. I'm just, I'm done. I'm on the, you know, those, these are cells that are basically like, I'm too old. Just leave me alone. And, you know, okay, but I don't want them here. <laughs> you know, I want fully functional, you know, got to, you know, if you're going to be in my body, you got to carry weight, you know, you got to do your job. Sorry. <laughs> so that's my fast. It's getting, getting those guys out the door or burning, you know, stimulating autophagy and breaking them down to the, the raw, raw materials okay so again. again all of these processes kind of go haywire when you're full of metal and chemical toxins so would you like to talk about how to get rid of them yeah let's let's talk about heavy metals because i think a lot of people suffer from they don't even know because many people at least at this part of the region are not doing a heavy metal test and mm. sometimes you know the sushi culture has been very popular and then a lot of people are getting mercury uh, lots of things but i would like to hear from you like your take on it sure so first let's you know the word heavy metal is wrong because not every metal that's heavy is toxic for instance iron well excess iron is problematic but zinc right is heavy heavy means it's more dense than water so there's plenty of metals that are more dense than water they're heavy they're not bad for you and plenty of them that are light they're poisonous 
right? Aluminum is a light metal. You don't want it in your body. So toxic metals is, is I think, a better way to think about it. So we've got these metals in, and the problem with the toxic metals is they look like metals that the body uses. So lead looks like calcium, right? Um, cadmium looks like zinc, uh, so forth and so on, and they get stuck inside the body. So there are these things called mineral transporters that bring things in and out. And if you have a metal that's the same size, a toxic metal that's the same size as a nutritional metal, but it's got a different charge, it can go inside these mineral transporters but can't get out. The mineral transporters are these little revolving doors or pumps, depending on all of our cells that bring things in and then take them out and in and out, in and out, depending on what the cell needs. And so when these metals get into these transporters, they, they get stuck. So, you know, imagine, you know, you've got a, a supermarket and some somebody gets in and then gets stuck in a revolving door and nobody can get in and nobody can get out. Well, that's a mess, right? Mm -hmm. So we need to, that's one of many reasons we need to clear these things out. So where are we getting these metals in the first place? Well, you know, a lot of people listening have mercury in their mouth. And in the United States, it's fine to put it in someone's mouth, but if you try to take it out, well, now you've got to, now you've got to consider it a biohazard and, and it's all these rules. Like, how did it suddenly become toxic? Just, no, it was always toxic. It was a terrible idea. Mercury, the history of mercury fillings is no one did them, you know, hundred, you know when dentistry started. And anybody who did, when this, when this technology was brought over from Germany, anyone who did was called a quack from quicksilver or quack silver, which is mercury. And then quack became a derogatory term for someone who practices bad medicine because who in their right mind would stick a poison in someone's mouth? But it was easier and cheaper to make fillings that way. And now a quack is someone who takes mercury out of the mouth. Well, okay, so don't rush off to get it taken out because if you get it taken out the wrong way, it's worse than leaving it in. But you have to go to the right kind of dentist that uses a dental dam and a vacuum. And in any case, that's one dentistry. source. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's one source. And... You know, I mean, it's 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 just everywhere. Like, for instance, um, if you have ever gotten an MRI with contrast, and then that was done with gadolinium, which is a toxic metal, and uh, a really nasty one at that. Um, and that's a very hard metal to get out of the body and causes all sorts of terrible things. Um, we're working on having something to support the body in dealing with gadolinium maybe a month or two from now. Um, there's really no, uh, until, I mean, right up to now, there's really no good ways to get it out, which is why, you know, uh, I'm doing it because, you know, it's, it's kind of a deal I have with God. You know, um, if no one else is doing it, I'll, okay, you know, I'll, I'll carry that weight. Um, so getting metals out is very important. So the question then is if we're, you know, going back to the beginning, um, how do you make metals soluble? How can you pee them out? So EDTA is my favorite. Uh, chelator soap for toxic metals with a caveat there's two kinds of metals you don't want to use it with one of them is mercury and if you think you have mercury toxicity contact me uh, and I'll get you a mercury protocol and the other is gadolinium uh, for which we're making a very specific chelator and so we have a product called metacardium it's a suppository and uh, indeed you know EDTA is fantastic at, at, at removing metals it takes a while right because the metals can get to the bones sometimes and, you know, it could take a couple of months. Um, the other uh, issue would be the toxic chemicals. And while there's only a dozen or so toxic metals we have exposure to, chemicals, I mean, you know, there's so many of them. You can't, 
So what you really have to do is just support the body's ability. Right. So EDTA isn't supporting the body's ability per se, right? It's an external thing. Mm -hmm. um, with chemicals, uh, you have to support the body's ability to do it. So the body can remove toxic chemicals, but just not at the level that we're exposed to. So um, for chemicals, it's a little more complicated. It's actually a two-step soap. So the first step uses something called the cytochrome P450 enzymes, and they attach or unmask um, something on the toxin that kind of gives it a, a little grappling hook, or a place to attach to. Mm -hmm. And then the second step is where enzymes attach certain other chemicals to that grappling hook, and now it's water-soluble. And those chemicals would be things like glutathione, which we talked about, but also glucuronic acid, acetyl um, groups, B5, uh, peptide amino acids. There's a lot of sulfur. And uh, so the thing is, you want to do two things when you're getting rid of chemicals. You want to make sure that the cytochrome P450 system is active, right? The ability to prepare the toxin to become water soluble, step one. And then you want to make sure the raw materials are there to bind to the toxin that the there was just prepared for the body to remove and people that only do one side or the other if they just stimulate the first side um that toxin is temporarily made more toxic and these people these are the people that who, who do a detox and get sick as a dog because they're, they're doing a detox that's only stimulating phase one but not supplying phase two mm -hmm. and the people that stimulate that supply phase two but don't stimulate phase one they just don't get the results they want they, you've really got to do both and that's our clinical, you know, our product Xenoplex, uh, XE and EPLX has organic coffee, hence the coffee enema, because what that does, and it has the, the conjugates in it, the glutathione, the glucuronic acid, and so forth. The organic coffee stimulates cytochrome P450, prepares the toxin for binding, and then supplies the raw materials for the binding to actually happen. And we get fantastic results with chemical toxicity issues with that particular product. And how long does this uh, protocol last for? Like, do you have to do it for multiple weeks or is it a few days? No, it all depends on the person, right? You know, someone who is healthy and has no problems, just living in the 21st century, they could do it once, maybe twice a year for a month. Mm -hmm. uh, it'll be third day. So 10 suppositories every six months to a year. Someone who's got multiple chemical sensitivities or some nasty disease or something like that, they, I, I would consider doing it until the... If, Try it. Um, if your if the symptoms are improving, that's a, or it's a good sign, right? They can go worse for a day or two, but any detox that makes you sick for more than two days is a bad detox. And I'll get into that in a second. So you should see them improving, 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 and then you get to the point where the the symptoms are gone or as gone as they're going to get from that particular protocol. They have to do other things, and then that could be a week, a month, three months. There's no way to know. Everyone's exposure is different. Now, if you stop the exposure and the problem comes back slowly or, or quickly, then you need to go back on it until you you cleared it. Um, but let's talk about bad detoxes, detox problems. So one detox problem is someone makes a poorly designed detox because they just didn't really understand the, the science of it, and they'll activate phase one or phase two, either the cytochrome P450 or the conjugates, and not both at the same time and throw the body uh, in, in, a, in a weird state and can actually make it more toxic. Another possibility is the talk, the de um, another possibility is the detox is actually making you ill because it's toxic. So let's say someone takes some chlorella that was grown in the waters of China and it's toxic. Or someone takes some zeolite 
that was never properly cleaned and it's full of toxic metals. And then they take this thing and they feel terrible and they go to the doctor and the doctor is like, wow, look how much toxins you're dumping. I'm like, no, you're not dumping toxins. Those are the toxins you brought in from the, from the poor ingredients. And then these four people will keep doing it and get worse and worse until they just have to stop feeling like they failed. And no, it's just, it was a bad product. Uh, another kind of detox pro uh, problem people can run into is the detox you do is actually triggering the triggering the problem in a different way. And I'll give you an example. You've heard of a liver gallbladder flush? Yeah. Okay, so for your, those who haven't heard of that, well, that's when you take um, you know half a cup of olive oil, Epsom salt, and lemon juice, and drink it down. The Epsom salt dilates the sphincter of odor, which is this little ring muscle at the bottom of the gallbladder. It opens it up, and then you're... The, the, the oil olive oil stimulates the bile, the gallbladder to squeeze and dump out all this bile and hopefully pop some gallstones out while you're doing it. The problem is, um, number one, you, you could keep, there's two problems with that. One is people will do it until they stop seeing gallstones, but what they don't understand is you can create fake gallstones by doing that and the oil olive oil coagulates. And so you just keep doing it, telling your friends, well, I just got 50 gallstones out today and 100 yesterday and you know 100 the day before. No, no. Maybe you got some out the first day. The ones after that were ones you were making. The oh, second problem oh. is bile is very expensive stuff. That's why the body recycles 95% of it. It gets reabsorbed at the distal small intestine. And so if you dump it all more than you can reabsorb, the body runs out of bile. It's like doing an oil flush but not putting new oil back in. You're going to wreck your engine, right? So rather than having these... And that's how that, that detox product with the protocol can be done poorly. You can do it once. Don't do it more than once. Um, the better way to do it is rather than try to, you know, dramatically give birth to a bunch of stones, maybe get them jammed in your pancreatic duct and mess things up and dry yourself out of bio, just take the time. Rather than happen in half an hour, it happens in 10 days, and melt them out. Right? Melt the stones out and keep your bio where it belongs, like keeping the oil in your car. And we have a product called Glutamins that's designed to support the body in melting the gallstones out, right? And that's, I think, a smarter way to do it. Well, that's that's very good information. Thank you for sharing that. And that's very specific. I think a lot of people who are listening to this are now in better sort of like a mindset to understand that detox is not as simple as it sounds but there is a mm -hmm. lot of elements of science and a lot of other things. So if someone who's listening to this and they, you know, let's take, the person who is averagely healthy, maybe not the most healthiest person in the world, but is also is exposed to things like secondhand smoke, maybe elevated levels of blood sugar, some circadian disruption, which we see a lot in this part of the world, uh, loss of blue light, some amounts of drinking. Uh, so they are, but they go to the gym and they're trying to eat healthy. And they wanted to mm. get onto one of your protocols. Is there a consultation that your company provides or like on your website there like how would we simplify which product on your website because sure. one thing is that you have already simplified it in a way that you know people can just take your product and then they start seeing all these differences but how do we select which one to go for sure well we do offer consultations for people that want to have access to that uh the basic detox we offer is metacardium xenoplex glitamins. That's the one for metals, chemicals, and the liver gallbladder. Mm -hmm. And it's important to do the liver gallbladder because all the stuff that's going to get released by the metacardium and the xenoplex, all the metals and chemicals that are going to come out, you don't want them, you know, 
you don't you don't you don't want to go to the bathroom and not flush the toilet, right? Um, so this gonna it's gonna bring them out, but some some of them will count the kidneys, some of them are gonna go out the bile, and you want to make sure the bile's moving properly so it doesn't back up in there because even the water soluble toxin is still toxic. So I normally so say the say for the average person, do alternate, you know, get a box of each of those. That's mm-hmm. 10 suppositories each. You'll have 30 suppositories. Do a different one every day for a month. If you feel like one of them is really more powerful for you, you could get an extra box for that. And that's like the basic detox. You know, then we can get into to, to some more, you know, advanced things. Like um, we make a product called albidextrin. And that's now going in, that's um, cyclodextrins, which are supporting, uh, which are also part of the uh, um, lipid exchange protocol we talked about, mm-hmm. but it also binds to misfolded proteins. Misfolded proteins are a, quote, a kind of toxin. They're fat-soluble. They happen to be formed in the body rather than um, externally, but they're still a toxin. And virtually all neurologic diseases, you know, MS, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, uh, you know, the, um, just basic senility, um, Lou Gehrig's, all of these things, they're all associated with misfolded proteins. Proteins are in the body. They do their job. Most of them are kind of um, spherical-ish, uh, globular. And they have the fat, they have the water-soluble part on the outside, the fat-soluble part on the inside, so they can move around. If they misfold, if they get damaged, and they do, right? They get damaged by all sorts of things. Then what can happen is the fat-soluble part of the inside could pop out. A little spike will pop out of it. And now it's a fat-soluble protein, and now you can't get rid of it, but it's misfolded, and it's not doing its job. And some of these things can also um, cause other proteins to misfold, and that's what we call prion disease. Mad cow is a prion disease. It's certainly not the only one. Um, so they can self-replicate. They can These misfolded proteins can chain react and cause other ones to misfold. And again, the body has an ability to deal with misfolded proteins to a degree, but then it gets overwhelmed because the body can't really digest these things. It doesn't it doesn't have the enzymes to break them down because they're kind of weird looking. So we make a product that in these little sugars, these little rings of sugar that are fat soluble on the inside and water soluble on the outside, and they go to these misfolded proteins and they pop on top of the little spike, and the water and the fat soluble spike of the misfolded protein goes in the fat-soluble center of the cyclodextrin, and now the entire protein is rendered water-soluble again, and now you can you can urinate it out and get it out of the body. So that's a more advanced kind of detox mm-hmm. um, that, you know, is available for people. And also, um, cyclodextrins also bind to uh, arterial plaque really well, so a lot of people do that as a soap for arterial plaque, along with uh, the colophage, which is the product. We were talking about that the lipid exchange protocol where you have used bile to rinse it out. So, you know, those are some more advanced detox for sure. And, and I mean, I don't know that we have the time to talk about the microbiome, but that's a whole other fascinating world we could get into too. And you have, I am assuming you have also products that are uh, catering to the microbiome side of things, or do you, the current products that you have also add to the microbiome side of things? Well, yes, if you cl- if you get the bile moving, that is very healthy for the microbiome. But no, the microbiome needs its whole. So the microbiome um, is a collection of bacteria, fungi, and viruses, and you would say uh, that are living in the gut. Uh, that's what a healthy microbiome. And you'd say, oh, viruses and, and and fungi that can't be good. I'm like, well, no, actually, there are uh, fungi that are good for you, like Saccharomyces boulardii, and there are viruses. There's more viruses than bacteria in your gut, and the good ones are called 
bacteriophages, and they actually regulate the bacteria. They eat and kill and manipulate the bacteria to your benefit. And the Russians are way ahead of everybody on the bacteriophage therapies. Um, so the I'll give you you know I'll just give you guys a little bit of a teaser because um, we know, can do another podcast on this one. Yeah, yeah, sure, we'll, sure. we'll wrap it up soon. So, so how do you know if you need to work in your microbiome? Um, if you've ever done if you've ever done Cipro or any fluoroquinolone intensive antibiotics for sure. Um, but here's the here's the the quick test. First off, do you need toilet paper? Now, a healthy animal does not soil itself. Let's say um, I wanted to go buy a horse in the U.S. or um, in the desert, I wanted to go buy a camel, right? Um, the first thing I would do, and hoping the camel doesn't spit my face, and, you know, because you know how camels can be. Um, you know, um, you know I, I was riding some on the Wadi Rum once. It was, there. It was interesting. Um, uh, so the first thing you do is you look at the teeth, right? And that tells you how old the animal is because the gums recede, right? And then you go and you lift up its tail and you look at its backside because any animal that soils itself is sick. Its gut is sick. No animal should have soiling in his butt. And now camels and horses, they don't use toilet paper. Why don't they need toilet paper? Because their guts should be healthy if they're eating well. The same for humans. A human should not need toilet paper. right? Or if you do use it, okay, wipe once. That's all you need. So the more toilet paper you need, the more wrecked the microbiome, the more wrecked the gut, the more problematic it is. The second thing is, um, do you have gas? Now, yes, a human being should make a little bit of gas because we swallow a little gas while we're eating and, you know, maybe have a soda or a bubbling water. Mm -hmm. And, you know, digestion does create a little hydrogen and does create a little bit of carbon dioxide. But if you've got gas and you know when you've got more than you want or bloating, that's a sign your gut's out of whack. Um, another one is um, how long does it take to, to from when you eat to go to the toilet? And you could say, oh, I, I go to the bathroom every day. I'm like, yeah, but... How long was it in there before you went? If everything coming out of you is five days old, that's constipation. And if you can get some chlorophyll, liquid chlorophyll, you take a tablespoon, you swallow it, and you wait for your, your, your stool to turn green. And it should be you know, 18 to 30 hours, right? 24 is good. If you're getting out to 48, 72, two days, three days, four days, that's constipation. That's a problem. Also, the stool shouldn't smell bad. I mean... Yes, it's a smell like stool. It's not. It's not great, but you know, it shouldn't require someone to open up the windows and turn on a fan and warn incoming people who want to use the bathroom. It, it shouldn't stink terribly, right? That's a sign something's going on. It should have a, you know, it, it should smell kind of acid, you know, acidic and 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 kind of bacteria, you know, bacterial and and not something you want to be around. But I mean, you know, if you smell a baby's stool, it's not offensive, right? It gets offensive as we get older. So these are some ways to determine that your, your microbiome is out without spending $600 on a test. And so then what we can talk about next time is why it's so incredibly important for your health to have a good microbiome and easy ways to fix it that, that most people don't, you know, aren't, aren't presented. The options. Okay, perfect. Yeah, let's keep that for another conversation. But again, just to wrap all of these things up, I know that it's pretty late where you are. Uh, today, everyone, we learned about why we need to detox, why some of the why we need to detox more in the 21st century, and what are the kind of chemicals or toxins or you know toxic me metals like he mentioned. Uh, 
And these things are all around you. These things are in the environment. These things are, you know, at the construction site that you're in to sometimes your office to sometimes the carpets that you buy or like the furniture pin that is around you. Like there can be anywhere and everywhere. And it's really important for yourself to sort of detox and use the right form of detox because like we mentioned you know, going to the sauna can do a few things, but it doesn't take care of the rest. There is phase one detoxification, phase two detoxification. One other thing I wanted to ask you, the P450 enzymes that you mentioned. Um, so you mentioned you use coffee and coffee enema, but is there any other way to stimulate that P450 enzyme? There are, but it's my experience that coffee suppository, coffee enemas, uh, and they don't get you jittery, right? Coffee taken rectally doesn't have the same effect as oral. It's my it's my experience that that one is by far the best way to do it. Yeah, when I used to do, I mean, now you reminded me I should get onto it again. But like when I used to do my coffee enemas, like it wouldn't make me jittery, but the, it would give me a high, which is like I could never get from coffee. Like maybe five or six cups of coffee, but it would just make mm -hmm. me super in the zone, super focused, uh, without any jitters. <laughs> Yeah, that's not the coffee, that's not the caffeine effect on you. That's what it feels like when your toxins are leaving. Oh, really? I thought it was yeah. just like, you know, one day I had a coffee in the morning and then I did a coffee enema. I'm like, I should stop having a coffee in the morning on the days that I'm doing it. I'm having too much caffeine in my system. I'm unstoppable. Mm -hmm. But yeah, good to know. But uh, so if people want to learn more about you, about your companies, the beautiful products that you have, and uh you know, me and Spencer might be working on something where in UAE and in the Middle East, we will be bringing some of these things in a more accessible form, because right now they're in the US, to the biohacking community, to all of you who are listening. So wait up for a little bit of time for that news. But instead, if you wanted to go to the website and still order, then your website is? It's remedylink.com and I'll spell it. R-E-M-E-D-Y-L-I-N-K.com. Okay, you. so you guys know the Remedy Link now. They're the oldest, sort of like the grandfathers, like he likes to say, um, in suppositories and all of these things. So please go check them out. Have a look at the science. I know there are a lot of like blogs and information on the website. Go have a look at it. And uh, yeah, stay tuned. Spencer, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much because of your, you know, you you really struggled to get here with the nine-day fast and, you know, this time. But the universe had to connect us and I'm super happy and grateful. Thank you for all the work that you've been doing, taking on the heavyweight when no one is ready out there. I know you have a deal with God, but thank you for doing that. And um, yeah. And this is me, everyone, CJ, your host, signing out from the Ship with CJ podcast. Everyone have a great day, a great week, a great lifetime ahead of you. Stay empowered. Your time and presence with us through this podcast is highly appreciated. If you want to learn more, then head over to our website, www.shiftwithcj.com.